Hey guys, and welcome to the newest episode of Be Hero Presents, the Bump Car Wrestling Podcast. My name is Brian, and I am your host, as always. And with me tonight is my tag partner, Psycho. How are you doing tonight, Psycho? Guess who's back? Back again. It's this podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's been a while, but... uh I know uh, we took all of December off and not just us, but all of B hero. So we, you guys have missed out on bump card. You missed out on slightly agitated, but we are back starting this week, yeah. right back here, starting a whole new year with you guys. Um, and before we jump into this episode, we are going to be reviewing AEW's world's end. Uh, and then also talk a little bit about the crazy week in wrestling we've had. But before we go and jump into that, Psycho, how was your holiday? Uh, it was good. I, I went to Disneyland, as as you know, but uh, our mm-hmm. listeners may not have heard. Uh, yeah, I spent Christmas at Disney, and uh, it was mostly good. The the you know the second night I got sick, uh, or the second day I got. We don't need sick. to go into all detail. Yes, you yes, with me. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So we won't tell those stories, but uh, needless to say, I missed almost an entire park day in the hotel room. So, uh, but other than that, it was really good. And then I got a, I got my next vacation here in like just over a month, uh, cruise to the Caribbean. So that'll be fun. Ooh. Yeah. How, how, was, how was your holiday, Brian? It was good, man. Uh, I got to see uh, a lot of friends, uh, some family and things like that. Um got to spend a lot of time with my family, oh, with my kids and such. Um, I like out that my uh, day-to-day job uh, gives me a lot of a vacation time and holiday time. So uh, I spent a good chunk of December at home, um, which was very nice. And getting just, mm. just to hang out with my girls, man, um, was a really fun time. But uh, all that being said, and uh, how everything's been going in wrestling, you know, <laughs> December was fairly crazy uh, in general in the wrestling world, but not as crazy as this week has been. Yeah, I mean, December is usually a slow month for wrestling news mm-hmm. and everything, but this this week has been crazy. I mean, you had the World's End pay-per-view um, yep. this past weekend, and then, gosh, I mean, you have Kevin Dunn leaving the WWE after, you know, 40 years, like before WrestleMania, you know, the first WrestleMania, he was a part of the company and he's gone down. Now it's a, uh, yeah. Triple H really, you know, has the last of the Vince McMahon era pretty much gone. And it's all, it's all triple H's, you know, people in place moving forward. Um, and then, uh, the rock returning, uh, You know, throwing another monkey wrench into WrestleMania season. Uh, who knows what's going to happen now? Uh, poor Cody. Right, possibly. Right. Well, even outside of the, like the, even outside of WWE, you have uh, Diana the Perazzo, like a big name in Impact, is now just signed with AEW, and she's officially there, and she had like a longer run as Impact uh, Knockouts Champion uh, there. Uh, you have Nick Namath finally signing with somewhere and going, or at least not signing, yep. but doing stuff with somewhere uh, in New Japan. Yep. Uh, he just uh, joined with them to do Wrestle uh, Kingdom, which uh, I'm excited to watch. I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and watch it yet, so I'm excited to watch that. 
Yeah, I mean, it has been a crazy week in wrestling. I mean, we'll we'll dive into it really hardcore next week, as far as you know the year that was, and then the the you know twenty twenty four. Can you believe it? You know, new year. But uh, <laughs> no. you know, I yeah, I have a lot of uh, thoughts on everything there. But uh, but today we talk AEW pay per view. Uh, world, that's right. At, uh, world, yeah, end. world's end. I don't know why I keep wanting to say at world's end. Like, wasn't that wasn't that a Pirates of the Caribbean thing? Uh, yes, they had a Pirates of the Caribbean called At World's End, but they also had um, uh, At World's End uh, movie as yes. well. That was a, a Simon Pegg Nick Frost movie, oh. uh, which was also very good. I ha- I have so. not seen that one. Um, I've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean one. It's very funny. So, uh, I, it's much better than the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, okay. So, okay. Um, that being said, no. let's go ahead and jump right in the world's end. Uh, it's the end of the year pay-per-view for AEW and uh, the build-up to pretty much everything that they did this year. Yeah. Right? Or the blow-off to everything that they've done this year for AEW. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the first match on the actual pay-per-view um as i like to do mm-hmm. um the it was a, a six-man tag the first six-man tag of the show you had uh brody king and jay lethal or actually it's an eight-man tag eight-man tag sorry about yeah, that eight-man eight man. tag yeah. uh so first eight yeah, we had tag. two eight yes man. so brody king jay lethal rush jay white versus the black roosh sorry roosh Roosh. Um, you had uh Daniel Garcia, Mark Briscoe, and then um Claudio Casagnoli and uh Brian Danielson, right? Yeah. Yep, so so this one uh this one was really basically the cast offs of the Continental Classic all kind of thrown together um in this match. Yeah. Uh and it was a good opener, I thought. Um, as far as far as an opener, uh, probably not going to get much better than this. Uh, it's exactly what you would expect, um, and uh, everybody looked good in this one. Uh, and it was uh, the the faces got the got the victory there. Um. Yeah, what did what what did you think of this match? I thought for an eight man, it was a good solid one. It, it did exactly what you want to do in an eight man, which is to give a spotlight to each person in there, but without making it about them. And that's exactly what this one did. And I think they nailed it perfectly in that story of doing that. Uh, plus, they added on story beats from stuff that happened in the Continental Classic. Um, like Daniel Garcia took most of the heat through this one. And in the Continental Classic, that was essentially what he was doing through the whole thing is he was getting his butt kicked, but he would just never give up. Yeah, And so he he took that most of the time. So it was a good callback and a good way to build Garcia's character. If anybody made um, out of this match the best, it was yeah, Garcia. Yeah, I was just going to say that. The, I mean, you hit it on the had there with uh it was a it was a spotlight for so many other people and garcia shined uh he he's the one that actually got the pin and be uh pin lethal uh jay lethal and uh it was 
uh, it was really a showcase for Garcia because it there I feel like they're really high on him and they're going to be um, utilizing him a lot more this year. Uh, and I, I watched uh, the the media scrum after the show and they had him talk and that was really the first chance I really got to like get to know Garcia. Um, and I still I don't know why, but he reminds me so much of Chatting Tatum. And I, I know like your wife didn't see it, but I see it. Like it, he reminds me of a Channing Tatum. So it's all the ma- the magic mic dance stuff that he does. Maybe that's it. But even just how he talks and everything, like it, like I have to like 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 kind of shake my salad or uh, shake my head and and you have I have to, to shake my head. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, words are hard. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and just kind of be like, wait, this is not Channing Tatum talking. Channing Tatum is not wrestling, you know, but. You are correct. Channing, T- Channing Tatum is not wrestling. Yes. Um, Garcia, though, was one uh, that I really wasn't high on um, at the beginning of last year. But uh, he started to finally get over with me. And then I think this match actually is what did it for me. I think this match is the one that actually got me to be more invested in him. So they actually nailed it perfectly in what they were trying to do. Uh, the old rule in wrestling is you someone gets over and someone uh, is or someone is over and someone gets over. Or someone puts over and someone is over or gets over, right? And... Uh, they definitely put over Garcia in this one. I think he he came out of this like super shiny out of this whole thing. Definitely. So. Um, yeah, and then uh, so the next match uh, we have Miro versus Andrade El Idolo. And uh, what? You're looking at me funny. Okay. Alright. Sorry. Uh this match was I think this one was it was a good match and it had it was up I think we were talking like up until this point it was like the best match of show. I know it's only the second match on the actual uh pay-per-view, but it had the it had the best story, I felt, and it had a payoff to it. Uh so Miro actually uh gets the wind when um his wife, uh CJ Perry, uh basically uh costs andrade the match uh and like uh i think like like uh pushes his legs off the ropes or something like that if i remember correctly um and oh no i think she pulls him off out when he's doing the figure eight uh and kind of interferes there she, yeah, he's doing the figure eight, and she she pulls his hand down to cause him to stop doing the right. figure eight, essentially. And uh, so. that actually got a very big reaction um, from the crowd. Uh, so they they were definitely into that. Mm-hmm. Little little did we know that. I mean, I guess we kind of did, but uh, Andrade that was his last match with AEW uh, as he was finishing up. So they had to finish up that story. Uh, uh, he the ish like I, his contract mm-hmm. is over with them, but he hasn't signed anywhere. So theoretically, he could be back. He could, but uh, if the rumors are true, he's heading back to to Triple H in the WWE. 
Um, I would go to his wife and the WWE. Oh yeah, 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 Triple yeah, H yeah, too. yeah. You know, it, it, it is his <laughs> wife's. Well, I mean, you know, his wife and Triple H, they kind of look similar. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, she's out for nine months uh, anyways. They're both big fans of Ric Flair. Ha ha. Um, yeah, yeah, she's out for nine months, but not the typical nine months or the reason for a nine month hiatus. Uh, no, no. Yeah, she probably would have rather had that. Uh, she's no. not pregnant, but she ended up tearing her ACL, her MCL and her meniscus. <laughs> All at the same time. That is like pretty much just destroying your knee all at once. I've torn my ACL and MCL and damaged my meniscus. And I was out of wrestling for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I I tore my meniscus this morning and I'm just fine. I'm just kidding. I didn't, but uh, it was, was so bad. Um, um, yes. But going back to the match. Um, I thought the match itself was fine up to the finish. Um, I'm not a big fan of the continual use of CG or CJ Perry and Miro of her having a client that her husband doesn't like. And then eventually they have a match and she screws the client over for her husband. This is the third time that they've done this. Um, and I say they right. as in these two, the two of the times were in the WWE, but, um, I don't know. It just feels so played out, and like it didn't feel earned. If that makes sense, uh, when CJ Perry screws over uh, Andrade, it doesn't feel earned. It's like, of course, it's so stupid. At least that's how it felt to me, and it didn't feel like a good way to end that match. I mean, like they could have done it in a different way, where like especially if Andrade is leaving the company. There would have been no problem to have Miro win clean, right? And have him win clean and uh, Lana get in there and, uh, like, you know, console him, yada, 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 and then attack him. It would have been different. And uh, it would have been an easy way to still get to that same ending that they wanted. Yeah. I I mean... I think it was more just, all right, he's leaving, you know, he's not resigning. Let's wash our hands of, of this and, you know, have him get a good send off. You know, I don't know. It was to me, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of CJ Perry being on screen. I think she doesn't add a whole lot to Miro and everything. And I, I think it is kind of, it is kind of played out and it's kind it's kind of stale like i think miro i think it's he he's just fine on his own he doesn't really need her in his corner anymore <laughs> but i see why they like put her on there because you know she's i don't know she it what else are you going to do you know you you put them on screen to keep both of them happy um i just wish they would find something a, a new story or a new take on this uh so that we can freshen it up because it seems like lately miro's been kind of spinning his his wheels and not really doing anything so i mean i'm happy on that front that at least they're doing something with miro because i think he's he's definitely mm-hmm. underutilized on the program uh but hopefully it leads to hopefully it leads to something uh so that he can get more 
more matches and, and more storylines. Um, he, he's an interesting uh, like character too, because or I guess more than that, interesting character, an interesting problem, because he's a very good worker. He can work the crowd and everything else, but he really doesn't feel like a main event character or a main event like level personality. He he's a two and a half dimensional character. He's not a full three dimensional character. Like so he doesn't have that extra oomph to get him to be like your big title holder. Like he's not your main guy. But, he, the face but he doesn't company. need to be either. Um, you know, he can be just fine as that as that upper <laughs> mid carder, you know, that you could slot in there for a title match here and there, but he doesn't he doesn't need to be the yeah. guy to carry the company. Um you know, he can be the challenger of the month, so to speak. And he could be a good secondary champion. I think he'd be a great, you know, TNT champion, you know, holding that belt for a while. Uh, oh, something yeah. like that. Or, you know. Yeah, uh, he did hold the TNT for a while. Um, uh, but and he did a great job at it um, because he could just run through people. Right. But he was a similar problem that Bobby Lashley had for a long time is he was so two, two and a half-ish dimensional that you never felt like you could really do much more than have him be a guy that you can heat up real fast to have a quick program with somebody while you're waiting for something to happen, right? And which is exactly what they did with Bobby. What what they can do with uh, Miro and what they did with him as Rusev is you had him as a guy that, seemed like he could be a threat, but you really didn't feel like he was going to be much of a threat. Like he wasn't actually going to win. Um, it wasn't until like MVP came along and gave that extra half dimensional, a little more to Bobby and allowed Bobby to kind of blossom out of that, that he really felt like he could be more. And I don't know what Miro needs for that, but he needs something. And yeah. CJ Perry is definitely not it. And again, he's a great worker. He can have a really good match with lots of different people and do- lots of different styles of people and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you look at some of the stuff he's had match-wise. Uh, he had great matches with uh, Orange Cassidy and then also uh, with Andrade. And those are two different kinds of styles. And then you also have him with uh, bigger guys like, um, oh, what's his name? Um powerhouse Hobbs, like they had stuff going and they're like big guy big guy big guy stuff and that's a totally different style and they had good matches he can have good matches with everybody but he's just not the guy to be your champion right like your big time champion which is sad because when he was super hot with the whole um uh happy rusev day whole thing in WWE, he was never hotter than that but I didn't ever feel like he could have ran the company. Like he couldn't have uh, carried the company on his shoulders. I think as, he's as very similar he to somebody like um, Claudio Casagnoli. It's like that can get hot and everything, but you don't see mm-hmm. them being the guy, you know, and, and uh, which is fine. Yeah. Everybody has their roles. I, I, I think it's just, he needs the right story and he can get hot again. But, uh, 
but I just, you know, I guess that's in the hands of the, you know, whoever's booking him. So. And on the opposite coin of that, I think Andrade is, was underused in AEW. I think Andrade could be somebody that could be hot enough to yeah. be a champion. Um, I, I, he has a lot of the pieces that you need to it and the intrigue and just the way he does stuff. A great example that I've heard a couple of times now for people is that uh, spinning back elbow he does off of the um, the capture foot spot. So, you know, he goes and does a kick, they capture the foot, and then he spins out and does the back elbow. Has completely destroyed uh, the Judas Effect finish for Jericho. Because he does it so much better and yeah, it's not a finish. It's... Andrade has, so... like, he's really only been used good, you know, in NXT. You know, he was used really good. But, like, even WWE, you mm-hmm. know, when Vin- I mean, that was more of a Vince thing, I think. Um, But he didn't, you know, utilize him well there, which is why he went to AEW. And then he didn't really get utilized to his fullest there. He had some good matches, but but that was pretty much it. So hopefully if he does go back to WWE, uh, Triple H having the book will will be able to to utilize him a little bit better and he'll get a little bit more um screen time i agree um and he was a triple h guy um and it was not by accident per se but it was by um an injury that he won the title in nxt uh he, he beat drew mcintyre for it when drew got hurt in the middle of the match and uh triple h gave him the chance to run with it right and he did really good. There were some great matches he had. And having mm-hmm. Selena Vega as his mouthpiece on there at the time, it was they were amazing together and doing stuff in there. And like the matches he had oh, with yeah. um, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, uh, those were amazing the Gargano matches. match might be one of the best so, NXT matches ever. That was just fantastic. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. That got was so just an to interesting <laughs> one to, to touch on. But uh, the the next match we have the women's title, Tony Storm against Riho, uh, and you know we talked about Tony Storm like this gimmick suits her so well. It's the perfect thing to catapult her, and now she's and she's perfect at it. Like I, I love the whole story or the whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this match was. It was okay. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Rio fan. I, I think, I think she's, I don't know. She's, she's somebody that I have to really suspend my disbelief to believe that she can hang in there with Tony Storm, you know, and, and so I never really thought that Tony Storm was in danger of losing her title. Uh, but, First, uh, you know, DNA or it, first it AEW uh, woman champion. That's also man. like saying Pat Patterson was the first intercontinental champion, but you know, I don't know. It's you know, we're hung. Yeah, except for Rio actually is, beat somebody it was for not that title in Rio de Janeiro. Um, but uh, this match, it was just okay. Uh, Tony Storm looked good in it, uh, and then yeah, Tony Storm retains. 
And uh, I, you know, the big story there was with uh, Mariah May coming out at the end, you know, and and they're they're finally having her wrestle where they just did. She just had her debut uh, on Dynamite. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not a lot to this one. I mean, you have any thoughts on this match? Not really. To be honest with you, this match could have easily been on Dynamite. Honestly, it could have easily been on Rampage. But um, the the match itself was fine. It was nothing to write home about. Uh, It definitely put over Tony Mm -hmm. and didn't do anything for Riho. But I think part of the problem is is it's hard to root for Riho when we don't see her. Like, I think in the last three years, maybe five, well, let's say the whole last four years that AEW's been around. Mm-hmm. Outside of the time where she was champion at the beginning and stuff like that, I could probably count on one yeah, hand. And I, I remember seeing Riho in a match. Well, that's part of the problem is that she she was the first champion and that's really her only, like, the thing that they can slaughter into any title match. It's like, oh, she was the first champion. And actually, she's won it a second time, you know, I think. Uh, so it was like the first ever two-time uh, women's champion or something like that. And it was, it's just like, that's her really, I think she's overly pushed, to be honest. I think, you know, for the wrestlers that I want to see wrestle, uh, I don't get why why she's getting all these chances. I would have much rather have seen Tony storm versus like Soraya. If Soraya had beat, you know, and got this title shot there, there's more of a story there. And so I would have been a lot more interested in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe the match would have been good. Maybe it wouldn't have been, but the story would have been there at least. Um, And I could have, I could have sunk my teeth into that a little bit more. It just needs more star power. I think. <laughs> I agree, um, but the you know the question comes to being is who then do you have right? Like who do you have Tony go up against at this point? I, I think what they're really waiting for is Jamie Hader to come back. Then I, I don't know how much longer she has after her injury. I know it's close, but close could be next week yeah, or I, three months from now. Yeah, I that's why I think like I don't know what they're doing with like somebody like Soraya. It's like. It, it, she's got to be injured or something. That's the only thing I can think of that she's not a hundred percent, and that's why they're not putting her in this position. Otherwise, you have like her for star power, and she like held the belt for like a month, didn't do anything with it, and dropped it, and then she's like not being utilized in a story really. And it, it's like, what are we doing here? It's you know the the they have wrestlers they can put in there, so I don't. I don't know. I, I think she's vastly underutilized in AEW. Uh, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. But uh Tony Storm, great, you know. She just needs stronger opponents, I think. I agree. Um and similarly in that same vein, like what are they doing with Yeah, there's uh, another one Ruby, they could... so there's another one they could have done Maybe a story with, you know, and, and easily put her in. And I would have cared about that much or that match a lot m- more, too. Uh, so there, there's wrestlers on the roster yeah. uh, that aren't being utilized. I mean, and then you have Britt Baker, you know, who's been out forever. You know, I mean, you have all of I don't know what's going on, you know, behind the scenes with all these women. But they have women they can that 
or more interesting characters that they could put in there and have bigger matches. And this this was a throwaway match. It could have been on Dynamite. It didn't you know? It could have been on Rampage. Like it didn't need to be on a pay per view. Uh, but it is it is what it is, I guess. Yes, I'm agreeing. Didn't with I say you. that exact same I am, thing? I am agreeing with you. You did say that. Okay. Um, I am intrigued though with uh Diana Perrazzo coming in from Impact and being signed. Um, what they might do with her going through. But where they have the two singles female championships, mm-hmm. like the TBS title as well as the women's title. I don't think that they have a strong enough women's division to be really able to have these two titles. Yeah. Or at least they're not well I, utilized. I, I agree with you. Women's um, divisions. I mean, I'd like to see more women get, you know, get TV time, I guess. And, and, and that sort of thing. I just, I mm. just think there's a booking problem with AEW. I, I think, I mean, if I was Tony Khan and I had, you know, all of that money, instead of me trying to book every show and trying to be the head guy on every every booking committee, I would I would go out there and get the dream team, you know, I'd get the best bookers and minds in wrestling and utilize them and have them I would give them each a show even. It's like, okay, so you guys got dynamite stories, you know, you guys got rampage, you guys got got collision and then make them unique you know you can still do you don't have to have a brand split or anything you can make each show unique though with different writers and having different touches on where they take the stories and and whatnot and then for the pay-per-views you put them all together and i don't know i i just think tony khan he's he's trying to do everything himself and he's I think he's burned out, to be honest. I think he's doing Dynamite, he's doing Collision, Rampage, Ring of Honor. He's he's booking all of these things, and he needs to delegate a lot more than he does. Okay, well... Uh, he doesn't book Ring okay. of Honor. Uh, that's John Dean. But, um... That being said... Uh... It, of all people, you're the one. You are the one that's saying he needs to delegate and get him a, get a booking well, here, team here's together. Here's the funny thing. Number like one, that I don't have laugh. the money that Tony Khan has to go out and get the best people. Number two, I did put together a booking team, and that blew up tremendously in my face. So I did put other people in the room, and it did not go well. Maybe I had the wrong people. Right, you totally had the wrong people. I told okay, you you had the wrong people, if you and you didn't them listen to me. If I had the me. right people, they'd say yes. So everybody's got an opinion. Okay, so I don't know. <laughs> so you go with two guys who, I mean, mind you, they were friends, but they didn't know how you think in the wrestling business like this I do true. because you trained me. And so instead you went with their <laughs> opinion on it. 
Nevertheless, <laughs> I'm not bitter. No, no. Uh, we'll go on from there. Oh, uh, what was uh, what's the next matchup? So the next matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the way, uh, by that note, by the way, before I forget, um, one of those oh. two I know listen to this show. So uh, love you. Uh, so <laughs> I love you, brother. So uh, <laughs> the next. Uh, the next one uh, is Swerve Strickland against Dustin Rhodes. Okay, now this match was a match that was thrown together last minute because Swerve Strickland was supposed to face uh, Keith uh, Keith Lee, right? Yes, they were finally going to pay off a storyline from like, two years ago yes. or whatever it was. Uh, and Keith Lee gets hurt, and yeah. they throw in Dustin Rhodes. And this one, I mean, uh, the story, so they talked about it in the media scrum after. Um, Swerve seemed kind of bitter at Keith Lee, if I'm being honest. Uh, like, he, he was like, uh, you know, I'm not waiting on anybody. You know, we were going to finally have this match, and I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm moving on to, to bigger and better things. And so that match probably won't happen unless he says, unless Keith Lee comes up to his mm-hmm. level, you know? And and, and so, uh, which is kind of a kind of a shot there. Um, but it's kind of true because Keith Lee is his own worst enemy, I feel. But uh, Dustin Rhodes, I guess, had volunteered to take the spot, but it just seemed to me like Dustin Rhodes. I I'm, I'm a fan of as far as like, he's done so much and he, when he's motivated, he can put on his working boots and still go, but it did not seem like he was motivated for this. It seemed like he was, he knew it was a throwaway match. It was like, even his selling was, was not very good. In my opinion, it was, he was just going through the motions and the reason why this match had any heat to it whatsoever was because of Swerve. Swerve attacked him from the get-go, you know, and basically it was like, oh, is Dustin going to be able to continue? They continue the match, and then it was like Dustin forgot, like he almost couldn't even be cleared to wrestle, you know, because it was just another match after that. So it kind of defeated the purpose, but uh, Swerve wins, but it was... Uh, Swerve talked about it after in the media scrum that uh, his time is 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 worth something, and he you know he almost kind of felt like this was a waste of his time, you know, getting in there with a throwaway match that they should have gave him something better um, mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, and I I agree with them because it's like okay, you've got Swerve, he's a main event player. I'm saying it right now, he. He is a hundred percent somebody oh, yeah. that can be in the main events and challenging for the title and winning the title. Uh, he's a guy you can build around, and he's on a hot streak like like crazy. And uh, they need to push him to something big uh, fairly soon. Uh, while while you've got that uh, lightning in a bottle, so to speak. Yes, exactly. Well, the iron is hot. Yep, yep. I, I feel that same way. And uh, spoilers for later on in the show, if MJF had retained, I would have totally had him, MJF lose to Swerve in a, uh, the next big show coming up um, because that would make the most sense. That would have been the hottest match on the card. 
bar none. Hardest match of the year, period. And just by the emotion, because you have arguably the greatest heel in AEW history, who's also the greatest face in AEW history, uh, going up against the next rivaling greatest heel in AEW history. Uh, he's there's just the whole, he's just so the whole good. package. Like Swerve is just oh, so him good. And Prince Nana and stuff. Uh, it's, actually, it's great. Yeah. He, he, and his mind for this business, right? Like, I was very sad in this match because it felt so lackluster. It felt like a match. Again, that could have been on Rampage. Um, because it felt just like neither of them had their heart in the match. They didn't give a shit, per se. Which is kind of sad because, like, even if you're having a match you don't want to be a part of, if you don't give, like, 100% to it, you can tell as a fan. And that's how it felt like this. Um, well, I was talking to uh, Martin Casals yesterday, actually, about the, this match and about uh, Swerve. Um, back when they were both in Lucha Underground, uh, Swerve Strickland was uh, uh, kill shot in Lucha. Uh, they had one of the one of the greatest matches in Lucha history, which was uh, a like a hardcore match or a ladder match of some variety, um, and it was insane what they both did but they told such a great story and everything else but martin was telling me that uh he's like swerve's just such a smart like worker he just understands the business on a different level than just about anybody and he, you could see that in most of his work and 95 percent of his work and the way he acts and that's another one that wb just wasted their time with they had such an opportunity was Swerve to make him the next big thing. No, no, Brock Lesnar pun intended. Uh, but they could have made him something huge, you know, and they Swerve's just wasted one it. of those guys that he's he's doing a thousand percent better in AEW of what they've done with him so far. Um, and but it's it's mostly I think that's mostly credit mm-hmm. to him. Uh, I think Swerve is making the most of his of his time and honestly how i would have done this match with dustin when he attacked him beforehand they didn't even need to do the match they should have just had him if they would have had him attack dustin and put him out you know and the match doesn't happen and then he just cuts like a scathing promo or something you know that would have been a better use of his time and it would have been a lot more memorable Mm -hmm. than him doing the beat down where it's like oh is Dustin going to be able to clear it? and then Dustin still does the match and gets all of his crap in all of his moves you know just to have a match a nine minute match no less uh it just the match didn't need to happen it should have been a statement and Dustin should have been in there to to give the rub rather than having a, a super competitive match especially after you know the the stuff at the beginning before the match started. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, it's like, uh, that should have been uh, it. it. It's uh, like, you don't come back from that and then not sell it and have a regular match. You know, I, Dustin should know better. Yeah, totally. hundred percent should know better. And you're right. Like, right. That could have been, Instead of the match, but the moment, right? That could have been a moment for Swerve to be able to go on from there and have it. Like, 
you had uh, Keith Lee go out in injury after being attacked by Swerve and his boys. And then his tag partner and friend goes to defend his honor and he gets taken out before it doesn't even get a match in he gets taken out beforehand yeah. and sort of essentially cuts the same similar promo he did in the uh, scrum it'd be like look he's not on my level neither is dustin as all as they they both have done they're not on my level i'm so far above everybody this is where i belong is up here and then starts cutting a promo against like top tier guys and brings himself up to that next level but that that again shows some of the problems with the booking you have by Tony Khan is understanding that, right? It's, it's a mixture of two things. One is understanding how to build a work or how to build a worker into creating those moments over the matches. Right. But two, having the ability of telling somebody, no, having the ability of being like, you know, Dustin comes up and like, yeah, yeah, let's do all that opening stuff first, but then let's have a match after. And then Tony, because Tony should be able to be like, why? You just got your knee taken out by a cinder block, bro. You should right. not be doing anything. And that's not your spot. You're, you're here now to help him grow. And Tony needs to be the guy that says that. But that's not who he is. And I think that's why we see a lot of the things we see in AW is because people walk all over him um, and just kind of push their own agenda. They go in the business well, for themselves. Essentially. I, I've heard it and mentioned it and I agree that there's a leadership the problem in AEW. is that yes, there's a leader as far as the guy that's, you know, the boss, but at the same time, it's, it's he doesn't put his foot down on i mean he had to basically be forced you know to to fire cm punk and everything because of, of certain situations but I, I i still think you know that he chose wrong he chose the wrong guys to side with but that's neither here nor there um i feel like he needs he needs better minds around him and i just I don't know if he's willing to do that because, I mean, he's got Brian Danielson helping him and everything and being on disciplinary committees and, and helping with booking on, on collision and stuff. But I'm not convinced da that Brian Danielson is like can book for other people. I think he's a great mind for the stuff that he does and that he can, he can have a great match with anybody. Uh, but when it comes to creating ideas or for being an authority figure, you know, backstage or being that like he's respected, but at the same time, I don't, I think he's too nice of a guy to really, you know, be somebody that would tell somebody, you know, no, we're not doing that, you know, and this, that doesn't make sense. Um, I just, there's guys out there though that are that would mm -hmm. probably be more than willing that understand the business, but Tony Khan needs to make a change soon, because uh, otherwise it's just going to be more of the same. And there, it has its moments, but at the same time, it could be so much more than what it is. Yeah, I mean. You don't right. have, like, look at WCW and Turner, right? Turner didn't book the show. 
he's a huge he was a huge wrestling fan he still is and he put a ton of money behind everything and was the boss but and and you didn't have him book he went like if you if you uh, Bischoff, um, and then hear from Bischoff, and Bischoff wasn't really the head booker either. He had his hand in the NWO story, but as far as the day to day with everything else, no, he had a booking team that did that, and he very little, you know, was had his hand in that. He had guys like Kevin Sullivan and uh, and those types uh, that yeah. were booking the show, uh, you know, and they were they were very good at what they did. So, right, yeah, and then, but Bischoff was their leader, right? Like he was the guy to be right. like, no, no, this is what you're doing, or you can find same the thing door. when Vince was right? in the WWE. He had a booking and team, and, and he did a lot that. of the booking. Don't get me wrong, but even when like Vince Russo was in the WWE, the reason why that worked yeah. was because Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara would come up, you know, with these ideas, and then. Vince would throw out everything he didn't like, you know, and he would rewrite some things and he would filter it. And then he picked the best ideas and that's why it worked. And that's why, in my opinion, when, when like Vince Russo went to WCW, yeah. uh, be, when he just had the final say and nobody was helping him, you know, it was, you had a lot of bad ideas come through. So yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, he needs help. I don't know, you know, if he's going to make that change, but he needs to. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, well, we've talked a lot about uh, these matches so far. Uh, okay. We still have a lot so, to go with, and we're only we're the next match minutes in. We've got so let's go ahead our, on to our next, our next eight man tag. Uh, we've got uh, Big Bill, Ricky Starks. And basically the Don Callis family. Um uh Takeshita? Did I say that right? Takeshita. Takeshita, um Takeshita. And uh and Hobbs. Tekeshita. Uh Powerhouse Hobbs against uh Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allen. Uh this is more a showcase to get Sting on the show, I feel like and and yes. uh you know, and to to push the Jericho and Sammy Guevara um, as a team thing now, since Kenny Omega's out, because uh, they've got a title shot coming. Um, but yeah. this match was kind of overshadowed by the immense heat that Chris Jericho was getting any time he got into the ring, based on all of the uh, allegations that have come out about him and. And I really feel like all of that came out because Jericho stirred the pot and he stirred it with the wrong people and upset the wrong people. And he has skeletons in his closet too. So he's not innocent. Um, and I like Jericho for the most part. Uh, I don't always agree with him and everything, uh, but he, you know, he's clearly made some mistakes and everything. And, uh, mm -hmm. for those that don't know what we're talking about, there were some allegations, uh, with, uh, what's her Kylie Ray. Uh, and it wasn't even her that made the allegation. It was somebody else that, that mentioned that there was a situation with Kylie Ray 
and Chris Jericho and kind of told the story. If you want to look up the story, go into it. Um, uh, it's at this point, it, I'm not going to go one way or the other and, and, and touch on that. Uh, right. Yeah. This is not the platform. No, for that. she hasn't even said it. So it's not right even now. coming. We don't know whose story now, she like, I don't think Kelly Ray's even said of, her story of, about it. Of, you know, that there's uh, now might be the time for a lot of women to come out against Chris Jericho. That I mean, the comments were made basically that that they compared Chris Jericho to Harvey Weinstein, um, which is quite the damning, you know, comparison. And so, uh, I'm actually surprised with all of this yeah. that that he even appeared on the show to put himself in that position to get booed and, and everything. Cause you know, this is in this country, you know, you're guilty until proven innocent and I'm not siding one way or the other. I don't know the story. I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know enough about it. And until Kylie Ray or somebody else that was actually there comes out about it, it's, it's all, it's all speculation at this point. Um, But like, Tony Khan wasn't like he was asked about it multiple times yeah. in the media scrum and he deflected it each time and said, I'm not going to comment on internet allegations. Uh, you know, if, uh, if there's a, a problem, uh, you know, that ever rises with, with misconduct or anything like that, it's an open door policy. They can come to me. Uh, and you know, this is the safest place in the world, you know, uh, which, you know, got a lot of, you know, eye rolls and laughs from people. Um, you know, they said, how can Tony, Tony Khan say that this, you know, AEW is the safest co wrestling company in the world. And yet just a couple of months previous, he was fearing for his life, but you know, that's, that's a different, that's kind of funny, but, uh, and then, uh, anything else, but but uh right. he just kept deflecting it he wasn't going to comment on it so uh which is pretty much par for the course with anything legal related i'm sure there's ndas you know and stuff and he can't comment but uh but as far as like so jericho was getting booed like out of the bill like loud boos nda chants uh you know all sorts of chants uh the match itself was okay. It was kind of actually sloppy, if I'm being honest. It was, it was, there was a lot of blown spots. The other eight man tag, I think, was immensely better. Uh, but this one, I mean, this one, you had the stuff with Jericho, and then you had, you had Sting that's, you know, he's basically just, it's a highlight show for him until he gets to his retirement. He's doing what he can. Um, at this point, he gets the hot tag and comes in and does some things. I was actually worried for Sting a few times in this match that he was going to get injured and actually retired for good before he could get to his retirement because there were some scary spots in this match. Um, and then uh, they actually did a right. um, Sting put on a, a Scorpion Deathlock. Uh, it got broken up. Um, Guevara came in and and did his his flippy whatever degree splash that he that he did um and uh he finished uh he pinned uh ricky starks uh and basically i mean 
that was honestly the finish that I expected because they're going to go through with this Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara match against against Starks and uh, Big Bill. So that's what I would do too. Is I'd put you know Guevara or Jericho over here. Um, I think they made the right call with with it being Guevara because um, I think the crowd would have booed even more if Jericho had gotten the pin. So. It, it is what it is. It was it was basically just a match to say, hey, there's a, a match coming up and, you know, get you somewhat excited for it. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it during this match mm-hmm. that uh, They've they really, really should have been building ball. this match as Sting's last match in L.A. And... Yeah, um, they they really didn't do a good job at presenting this match um, well. And I know they had to deflect and make some changes on the fly. And I thought they did all right with it, especially having Sammy Guevara um, turn face after just turning heel. I it kind of made sense and how they did it all. Like it was, it made sense enough to work. But uh, yeah, this was. Yeah, just a match. It like it didn't feel like there was any stakes. It didn't feel like I had no care about any of this. And sometimes that's a problem with AEW stuff is they don't build stories strong enough in their matches to have me. And, and I know really that I know that you have you know you've kind of spoken it. out about so too many similar was. type matches on the same show. You know, if you've got two eight man tag matches, and that's that's really just to get as many people on the show as possible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I guess I prefer that over a battle royal. Although they did have a battle royal in the pre show, but. Uh, but still, it was at least they didn't do them back to back. I guess, right? Yeah, I know. I know you would have because they've done stuff like that before. Oh yeah, I would have lost my damn mind. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, they had it where they had like mm-hmm. a six man on the pre show, like the last match on the pre show, and then like a six man, <laughs> and then like an eight man, and it's the just first a bunch matches. of spots. And I was like, "Are you freaking serious? I don't remember anything that's going on between all these matches." Yes, it, it, it's yes. exactly. So the, which is a the next match we got well, the TBS women's title. Nevertheless, uh, we've, we've got, got so uh, much Julia more to Hart go over. defending against Abaddon, um, who we've worked a show with at least one show. Um, and uh, this match, it was all yeah. right. I I I like Abaddon in here against Julia Hart. Um, they're both very similar as far as kind of their. I mean, they both. The crowd was chanting, "This is spooky," which is kind of funny. Um, and I thought it was okay. There were some sloppy spots. Yeah, but, yeah, they did. Um, like even the. F- yeah, she's super, super young. Well, Julia Hart's only 22. She's only been doing this for like four years. So, and then uh, Abaddon, she's been doing this. I think she's on her sixth year now, if I remember right. Um, and she's she's younger, but like she's not out of her 20s yet. Um, but she's been trained by some very good people. Like she trained in uh, RMP. She trained with uh, Devon. She trained with uh, Matt uh, Yaden, and she's trained with a lot of great people. So I know she's got that quality, and you can see it in the way she does her character work, 
which is the biggest thing, and which was so different than what you normally see in an AEW match, is character work. Um, this match had one big flaw to me, though, and we talked about this uh, on Saturday when we were watching it. Mm-hmm. This match was a House of uh, uh, House of Black match or House Rules match, something like that, which is just a couple of the weird stipulations like you know 20 seconds uh count out on the outside over 10 seconds and like weird things like that um but then also it allows the challenger to uh Mm -hmm. pick the stipulation and abaddon chose um biting is legal and she does bite at one point but there's no build up to it and i think that's where this match lost me for it they really needed to have it where this match built to the bite right like you go into a tables match as the gimmick and you build to the table right or you go to a ladder match and you build to getting the ladders involving the ladders and then eventually using the ladder to get to the belt Submission match. You build to going for submission, so you start working that body part, trying to go for it, I and not agree. getting it I, until you finally get I, it. I, and I you get the thought, over. you know, they needed it, to build. You, you to bring that up the tables bite. match, and that's probably a a, a lot and more relevant stipulation with that. I think of like the coal miners glove match, and it's like it's like that's you know that's an old gimmick, but like if you have a coal miners glove match where there's a coal miners glove on a pole, Vince Russo probably loved it, but uh, you know if if you go up there and you get it immediately and you start just pounding away at them with the coal miners <laughs> glove, the gimmick means nothing. Right. But if you build to it and it's like, Oh, who's going to get it. And then you get it. And then it plays into the finish. That's how you yes. do it. And that's how this should have been. It's like when the, when the bite finally happens, it should be a big deal. And the crowd can pop from it and, instead of it just being like, okay, so biting's allowed. Okay. And now they're biting, you know, it's, yeah, right. Which uh, which makes more sense to build up. And she to only it. bit once. There was one bite, and she only went for it once. Yeah, um, but yeah, you could have totally built that to the finish and gone that way um, to uh, uh, allow that kind of thing to go with. Like, and, and a similar example, right, with the coal miners uh, glove match. Is if you would have gone and just randomly not going once for the the pole, not going once for the glove, and then just out of the blue, you like one minute, I'll be right back. Well, so we grab it and then bring it down, and start using the glove. It would have meant nothing, and that's how this whole thing felt like. The match itself was fine, but if you're going to have a stipulation, you got to use it. It's uh, Chekhov's gun in acting. If you see a gun, it needs to be used on stage. Uh, and that's the same thing here. If you have a stipulation, it needs to be used and it needs to be teased to build to that. I also the story of the match needs to really be the get stipulation. The whole house rules things where it's the challenger. So you know, because that, that kind of goes against it because it's like you'd think that the house rules would be okay, the House of Black gets to choose the stipulation instead of the challenger. Because why would you do that? Why would you have the challengers 
pick the stipulation. It's like the house rules. It's like, no, that's, that's the, you know, the players ruling then because you're, you're putting the advantage in, in their hands instead of the house. I don't know. It, it seems a little backwards to me. Um, I mean, unless they're trying to build up, you know, the yes. house of black where it's like, okay, you pick the stipulation. We'll still beat you. Um, but out of all the stipulations you could have picked too, it's like bite, and then you use it once, and it means nothing. Um, I, I I had such an opportunity, man, especially with Abaddon because of her living dead girl gimmick, like a whole zombie thing. Like there was so much opportunity with this stipulation to do something special and almost build it as like an inferno match, right? <clears throat> build it as like that's her signature match now is this bite match or the the big thing like and like let's say it's a hardcore match right but she uses the bite as like her big signature thing they just they needed to be more creative with it. i made that her ultimate moment her character right. moment she needed in yeah. matches yeah and, and julia hart retains uh yeah so so that being said yeah. and match was the fine. finish was actually kind of sloppy if I'm being honest, uh, it was yeah. like a. Um, she did like a moonsault, but like, landed her knees into Abaddon. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, she landed. She landed. Uh, she, they tried to say she landed like her knees into it, but it looked like she landed on her feet and it kind of you know, just. It is what it is. Her. So I don't. After it was very sloppy. I, I don't know how I feel um, about this match. Like I feel yeah. like. I liked the work for the most part. Um, and it, honestly, I was more interested in this match than I was the, the previous women's match on the show. But uh, yeah, like you said, there were some definite flaws that kind of took me out of it too. So uh, the next match is kind of a big one. We got the TNT championship, Adam Copeland uh, challenging against Christian Cage uh and basically a, a notice qualification match um and this one this one honestly was was great it was it was intense it was it it seemed like they there was a blood it was a blood feud you know it seemed like they they had that aggression and the story they told the story perfectly um and and you you mentioned that it was kind of like a WWE style match. Um, it was it was very well done, actually. Um, which which I completely thought yep. like I expected it because you've got two guys like Adam Copeland and Christian who not only are they best friends, but they are great minds for the business. And so, especially Christian. And so I knew that that it was going to be a very smartly worked match um, and everything would make sense. Um, and you had some towards the end. Um, uh, you had like stuff with Nick Wayne and his mom and stuff. And they did a spot, which was, which was uh, kind of a throwback to the edge and and Mick Foley match from WrestleMania where they, they uh, got the lighter fluid fluid and they did a flaming table 
the first table went out before they were ready to use it. So it went out quickly. So they had to douse it with even more lighter fluid. Um, and it was poor Nick Wayne that went through it in a, in a powerbomb spot. Uh, you're right. You're right. Cause the table didn't really break. It just tipped over. Right. So, but it did look uh, like it hurt as far it, as, you know, getting put down onto, into the flame. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He hit the table in the worst way. He hit it with his lower back and uh, like on the edge of the table, yeah. like the back edge of the table, which is like the worst way you could hit a table. Because one, you're flipping your body over, so you're lying in the back of your head. You catch the angle on your lower yeah, back. And, like uh, I felt bad for him. So not to mention, you know, it was on uh, fire. So you know, Christian Cage went to to hit him with a belt shot. There was lots of weapons in this match too. There was there was you know kendo sticks and everything, and uh, but Cage went for the belt shot, and uh, Adam Copeland hit the kill switch for the pin and the title. Uh, and this was a good long match. It was 24 minutes, but it it didn't feel overly long to me. Uh, yes. Uh, and then you had uh, at the end, you had yeah, uh, Kill Switch, well. you know, the former Luchasaurus, uh, come into the ring and, and jumped Adam Copeland, uh, choke slammed him through a chair, and he was going to cash in his his. Uh, contract for a, a title match that he had won in the battle royal on the pre-show and of course christian cage convinced him to to hand over the contract to him uh and christian cage ends up uh having the match and the immediate rematch basically and christian cage spears spears adam copeland and wins the title back so i actually really enjoyed this because it was if you're gonna do a almost like a money in the bank type gimmick with that it was it was nice that it paid off that same night and that that christian used it um to you know get the title right back because that's such a heelish thing to do um Eventually, I think they're going to have to build to like a kill switch face turn where he's tired of, of Christian stealing his thunder. Uh, but at the same time, I actually kind of like the roles reversed that that Christian is now the ultimate opportunist, oh, yeah. you know, and he's the one that that did that to, to Adam Copeland because he was because Adam Copeland is edge. That's exactly the type of thing he did over and over again with the money in the bank briefcases and everything. Uh and so it was it was nice storytelling there as far as oh, yeah. that goes and you know it's a feud that i'm actually enjoying and and they're they're doing good work yeah i agree i think the match was a very solid match um it was probably up to this point probably the best match on the card and for me um, I'm kind of flipping flopping whether I like the um, cash and finish though. Like it makes sense, but I also feel like it's such a cop out as well of having the flip flop. It, it kind of makes me feel of the old school um, hardcore title 
you know, it can be defended 24 seven kind of situation where someone wins it and then someone who gets, then they get rolled up and somebody else wins it kind of thing. That's kind of how it made me feel after it was just, I don't know. It didn't feel well, but story wise, like I think to if you're me, pitching the story, the story since makes the sense. The story is not over yet. We kind of have know, to wait to see how it plays there, out it because feel as good. it could be. If this is a drawn out story and it's a well done story and it ends in a big blow off, you know, and everything like that, like this won't look bad at all. It'll look as like just part of the story and everything. And they can build into it and build into that hatred. Now that Adam Copeland's even more upset because he had the title and he got a little bit of comeuppance and then Christian, you know, took it right back basically. And if they can do a big blow off and that's where you turn kill switch, you know, baby face and it turns into a big thing there. It can be a really hot blow off. Uh, and I feel like if they're letting these two have a lot of creative input in the into the story, I I feel like this will be done right. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Right. I hope so. Like in my current feeling, and that's kind of why I'm saying I was like I'm flip flopping around on it. In my current feeling. It feels icky. It feels wrong. Like it feels, it doesn't feel right. But if the blow off ends up with Christian's personality, the way he's been treating Kill Switch and things like that is is his comeuppance, right? So, you know, he, you know, yells at Kill Switch to be like, you know, take him out, choke him, slam him, blah, 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 blah. And Kill Switch, like, he gets, like, he pushes Kill Switch or something. And Kill Switch does the face turns, like, I finally had enough. And he hits the choke slam on him. And then uh, Edge hits a spear. And that's how the, the finish goes. I'm fine with that finish on the blow off match that they'll have. But it's got to be something like that, right? It's got to be the comeuppance for Christian against both Edge or sorry, Adam Copeland and Kill Switch slash Luchasaurus. Yeah, it's I mean, got to be that come up. I, I think I think that's exactly where it's going. This though. feels I, like a waste. I, I don't know if Adam Copeland's going to get the title. There. I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know if that's the end game. But I feel like there's going to be a big blow off, and Luchasaurus <sighs> or or Kill Switch is going to do a big face turn, and and I mean, heck, maybe it ends up with with kill switch getting the title shot and the the victory you know in a in a match and getting the title back mm-hmm. i mean that's a possibility too um so i i say you know we have to w- wait to see how this one plays out um but i feel maybe christian's doing some of the best work he's done in his entire career right now and and uh it's amazing that because his career was done it was over and the oh, fact that he came back, this yeah. is like, this is almost like Shawn Michaels coming back and having that second run after he was, you know, retired the first time. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and so it's amazing to see, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. So. Or Daniel Bryan. All right. Yes. So, uh, so now we've got the yeah, Continental right, Classic here, so. Finals. All right. Next we've match. We've got, uh, basically for the triple crown because you've got the continental title and all the other belts that's that eddie kingston has uh yep 
Uh, so you've got Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley, winner take all, basically. Title and uh, uh, New Japan strong and title. I kind of going into this match, I was I'm not a huge Eddie Kingston fan, and so and and John Moxley hit or miss lately too because he he likes to do one style of match usually, and I was like, oh, here comes the blood, you know. And I knew I thought I knew what I was getting, and I kind of did, but not really because they didn't really they didn't really do the blood thing here. Um, but, uh, they were doing kind of like former friends going at it. And this one was stiff, lots of chops, uh, lots of, uh, lots of hard hitting stuff. And, and, uh, I thought it was actually a really good match It's it might be Eddie Kingston's best match I've seen him have. Like it was, it was really good for an Eddie Kingston match. Uh, and the finish, you know, where they basically were slapping the heck out of each other, and then you know Eddie Kingston just, so. you know, turned around and and got a slap, and and Moxley went down, and Kingston got the win. I I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good, you know, it it definitely made Kingston look good. My whole issue with it is just okay. So we did this whole tournament and everything, and Kingston saying he's putting the titles on the line, and whoever gets them gets them all. And we end up basically right where we started, but just with one more belt. You know, that's that's my issue with it. Uh, I mean, it does wonders for Eddie Kingston. You know, and Moxley, I'm sure was like more than happy to put over yeah. his friend. But I don't know. I I'm I'm mixed on this one. It was a good match, but the the end result, I'm un unsure about I'm not an Eddie Kingston fan either Um, we've talked about it before Uh, but I also agree I think this is one of his best not his best match he's had Um, and he's had a lot of really good matches lately Um, the thing though with this whole bit one, I agree with you. Like at no point during this match did I ever really feel like Eddie Kingston was not going to win this. But building into this match, um, the story for the Continental Classic, they did it in a really good way. Because one of the stipulations for the Continental Classic is uh, if you lose three times during the Classic, you're out. Right? Eddie lost the first two matches he had, and he had a I have to win to move on the rest of the time. And uh, that's what it was. Like, it was the underdog story the whole way from that point on, which it helped out so much. And this whole Continental Classic and this match built Eddie Kingston. I think from this point on, he has the opportunity of doing something very good. And theoretically, I'm surprising I'm saying this, could theoretically be yeah, the AEW champion this time next year. I don't know if I would go quite that year. far, but... Based um, solely off of this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think it definitely elevated Eddie Kingston. And I'm not talking about just the uh, match. Quite I'm a talking bit. about the whole Continental Classic. So it, it did do that. Um, I definitely feel a little bit differently about him than I did beforehand. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good match. And honestly, these final three matches, um, and we'll get into the, the last match here in just a second, but these final three matches, heck of a way to end the show. And so, like, it was basically the big three matches, you know, carried the show. Uh, and that's 
without those three matches the show probably like the first half of the show like if you really go back it was like eh it's like okay is this really a pay-per-view quality card and everything but then you have these last three matches and it's like oh it saved the show um but yeah so the the next match the last match the main event so uh we've got mjf defending against samoa joe uh, and there's the big story going into this about, you know, who's the devil and everything. And we we both felt they have to pay it off here. They can't drag it on too much more. Um, and but I, I, I do have to mention uh, for MJF's entrance, they yeah. have this awesome, awesome video package where they've got like all these uh, like fans and people from his past like putting on like the scarf and saying you know he's our scumbag and talking and and uh they have somebody playing his his ex-girlfriend that uh basically says a bunch of stuff that gets bleeped you know it's it's amazing if you haven't seen it hunt it down i i i gotta watch it again uh because it was that it was that good like when she got done with all the bleepity bleeps and everything uh, of what they used to do and everything, yeah, it was very uh, good. We looked at, like you and I looked at each other and we're just like, we could not believe it. It's like, what? <laughs> and then, and then they kept going and they had the, they ended it really well where there was this guy saying like, I'm not saying that. And it looked like these like mob people coming out with bats and stuff. And then it comes back to him and he's all beat up and he's like, yeah, he's he he's my scumbag or he's our scumbag. And it was just a great payoff. And whoever thought that up, keep them on the payroll, whatever it is, you know, because that's exactly what what can set them apart and have it it made the match. Like it got me so hyped for this match and and it made MJF that much over. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it yes. was it was fantastic. Um he to put it out there too, uh World's End was actually in Long Island, which is where MJ's from. Um so it, it having it not only being at home, but having that kind of video package going into this was so good. Yes, and the, the crowd so was good. chanting, you know, he's and our scumbag. As you know, you and on, it, was, it was amazing. This match it was, was uh, really good. Like he's embraced that baby face role to a t like and he didn't have to change his character really he's the same guy pretty much but they're embracing that he's their scumbag and it's it's just uh awesome to see um he's like Uh, he's honestly like stone cold type over as far as being that guy that should be a heel theoretically but yet the fans just have completely embraced him and love him um so the match uh really really good um Samoa Joe I yeah. I love Samoa Joe getting an, a chance here to you know get a main event spot uh on pay-per-view at a, at a major company um I I feel like he's definitely someone that still has gas left in the tank and everything and they had a really good match uh on television um of a little bit ago and so this boded it it boded well uh and it was very very 
stiff match there were some spots like we we're just like i can't believe mjf did that or took that you know and it was uh yes. yeah he's working all this while he's injured um and they built up the the kangaroo kick really well um so he kept like, and he's going injured for too. it uh and then it actually was really surprising oh and adam cole by the way we got to mention that uh that Adam Cole was in the corner of of MJF, uh, came out on the crutches and everything, and that was really the only time Samoa Joe really came unglued is when you know Adam Cole came out and was in the corner. Uh, but they did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a great spot too. Before you go on, that I loved mm-hmm. that involved Adam Cole. It just popped in my head. Is at one point MJF takes a muscle buster from Samoa Joe on the apron, right? And then the camera pans over to Adam Cole's face, and his mouth, like his jaw, is on the floor, like total shock that he just took that, and it's like. He doesn't like he's in shock. He doesn't know what to do. Can't help his friend or anything else. He's not right. chanting for his friend or anything like that. He's um, just in total shock. And Adam Cole sold it so well. No pun intended. It's my turn to do the hard eye roll. <laughs> I got an eye um, roll. From my, from so Nick. then we got. That's great. Uh, or, <laughs> so MJF actually, you know, it's a good match. It's a it's actually a very good match. Uh, yep. And uh, uh, Samoa Joe hits or gets him in the Kikina clutch. And surprisingly, you know, the ref does the whole, you know, hold the arm up and, and let it drop. Oh, okay. What? Sorry. What, what am I missing that you want to talk about? Oh, you're jumping the gun, son. You're jumping the gun. So he tries to go for the Kikina clutch. Um, at one point, and ends up mm-hmm. causing uh, a ref bump with him and MJF, right? And oh, uh-huh. the ref goes down. Joe is down because he gets kicked in the nuts. And he runs over to Adam to get the pinky ring, right? The diamond ring. And Adam's sitting there, like, trying to find for it and reach for it and everything else. And he finally gets it. But it, it takes him, like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds to find it in one of his pockets. So it's one of those, is he... Like they're teasing, is like, is he just not able to find it, or is he taking his time on purpose, or stuff like that? They're building mm-hmm. it up, and then he finally gets it to him, gives it to uh, MJF, and right as he grabs it, that's when Joe gets back up and puts him in a coquina clutch, yep. which he does then uh, work down, work down. It dropped, but it was the, like one of those uh, things where even the raises. referee like was like, oh. And the it third dropped. one, it's, like, it's over. It, it, it reminded me of. very much of when Brock Lesnar like pinned the Undertaker to end his streak. You know where it was like that, and it was like complete shock. Like, oh, it's over. Yeah. We got a new champion. It was that kind of awkwardness. Um, and yeah. Samoa Joe is your new AEW champion, which was actually to me very shocking uh, that the title yeah. got put on Joe. But I'm very happy for him uh, because he's one of those guys that never really, you know, outside of like TNA, like really hasn't been pushed as hard Same. as he could have, you know, and you know, he gave a great pro uh, uh, or he talked um, 
a little bit in the media scrum and and gave basically I, I say a great promo but whatever he just talked about how he's ready to carry the company and they're going to get a new AEW championship belt um so uh no i don't think so but they could just use that one have punk send it to him um yeah, uh, I'm sure he'll be willing to get that, get that sent over. Um, I don't know, Joe's his friend, but uh, supposedly. Yeah, yeah, right. um, but uh, it was, you know, Joe's ready to carry the company, you know, and 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 take on all comers and, and defend it. And honestly, it's like, I'm excited to see where he goes with the belt. I, I really am. It's a different, it's a different presentation for leading the company, Samoa Joe. Um, main eventing you know now um so then we have uh the masked men from the devils um i almost said that like the devil's workshop but the you know the devil's masked men uh they come out and they're holding mjf they're holding adam cole uh and (laughs) and the lights go out and uh the lights come back on and adam cole is sitting down you know they're not holding him anymore and mjf is just like in tears basically because that was his one friend you know and adam cole pulls out you know they do a big beat down on on mjf and adam cole pulls out the devil's mask and, and, and drops it on him and adam cole's the devil oh and then they do the big reveal where the other guys are unmasked and you've got Wardlow, you've got um, uh, Roderick Strong, uh, and then you've got um, Mike. Yeah, and Mike Bennett, right? Uh, had, had Mike Bennett been working in AEW before this? Okay, okay, I just Matt Taven. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they begs the yeah, question if we're going to get Maria with, at some point. Uh, it's like, I, I certainly like, hope so. The whole next strong thing, like it was him, Matt Taven, and um, Mike Bennett. So, mm-hmm. uh, they'd have to eventually break it off where uh, the kingdom, yeah, which probably. is I, I think Mike Bennett, is so much oh, more Mike interesting Bennett. when he has Maria. Um, are but, uh, either as, as most strong, men are when they have a hot chick, you know, and it's just Mike Bennett in their corner. But, Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, uh, but uh, so uh, as long so as they do the big reveal Bennett, and they do a big beat down, and, and that's pretty much the end of the show. Um, <laughs> the big news after this, they're, they, I, I'm sure you've heard, is that they've taken MJF off of the roster page and they're saying he's no longer in the company, and everything. And you know, the rumor's like, okay, did he really? No. No, Adam Cole said that yeah. in a promo. He said, you know, that he's, you know, MJF's no longer here in this company. So Adam Cole said it. They didn't say but, that he's not longer in the company. But that could be all storyline for a big return, you know. You know, because, I mean, the only other option is that he does appear in W and he goes over there and they sign. But I last I heard that it's they, 100% a storyline. You know, AEW had already resigned him. But then he said that he wasn't signed, but that. I took that as storyline, um, and they were going to make a big deal out of where he signs. 
So I don't know what they're going to do with this. I, my, my gut says that MJF mm. is still there and they're going to do a big comeback probably once he heals. Um, so they can do it properly. Okay. So this is exactly what's going to happen. The exact thing is going to happen, right? They're going to do this thing with Adam Cole, and he's going to kind of run rough shot uh, uh, with the whole uh, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom thing. Huh? And they're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, uh, mostly Adam Cole on the side, until Adam Cole's healed up and Roderick Strong, or until Adam Cole's healed up and MJF is healed up. And then MJF is going to come out of the audience and attack Adam Cole. Probably, depending on how long it takes Adam Cole, maybe Roderick Strong, but it's going to attack them and uh, do a beatdown. And it's going to come down to, you're not part of this company. You don't have a contract to be here. You have to do a match. And it's going to be like, I will sign a new contract right now if you give me this match. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Because they're going to be doing Uh the whole, like, uh, you know, biggest deal 2024 kind of thing like they've been trying to talk about right uh the signing of the year signing of the decade whatever you call it um and that's how they're going to do this and that's the storyline reason of why he chose aew yeah over Um, anywhere else is because he gets his hands on adam cole if they miss the opportunity to play his music when he comes out for the bigger pop you know and so i don't know if he comes out through the i mean it, it very well could happen that way or you know, he could still come out with the music or something, but, um, in fact, they'll probably have him come out not only out of the crowd. I mean, there's probably a, have him yeah, there's a lot of different ways they can go with it for sure. Contract um, and doing all this stuff, but when he comes back, back, because here's devil, the thing, if out of the crowd. If AEW lost MJF right now and he showed up in the WWE too, that could be a death nail, you know, for for AEW because without MJF and if he goes over too, if you just look at kind of what that looks like, I mean, when you've got all these AEW superstars jumping ship and, you know, it just doesn't look good. And it's one of your biggest stars that you built the whole company around. Um, that wouldn't look good at all. They have to have MJF, uh, in order to be viable. If if his, especially if he keeps the song, because they've done that quite a bit. Like if he came out with that song, that you know said, that music hits at the rumble. Holy, you know what? That that'd be. Oh my god! <laughs> they not oh only the gosh. song, be, but he comes out with that same um, opening vignette. That would be amazing, though. It's like, he's I mean, why not? They're throwing so many things in. I mean, then nobody would know who's winning the rumble, you know? Because it's like you got so many different things on the rumble of of what could happen. Like I honestly, like I said, I think the Rock should enter the rumble, and then you have, you know, gosh, can you imagine a final four in the rumble? Oh my gosh, can you imagine a final four in the Rumble? You've got CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, The Rock, and MJF. If that were to happen, the crowd would lose their crap. You know, it would just be... 
Yeah. I know this is AEW's review, but I just want to put this out there real fast. I would love to see this, especially with having The Rock in there and how everything's going right now. The first two entries, one and two, Cody Mm -hmm. and Punk. Have them go all the way through to the end. Have them be the last two. Because you, at that point, have no clue what's going to happen up through there, right? Um, and even have it again, yeah, like I was I saying just, about having solo. I don't think in it that's what they're going to do because I would think that solo is going to face Cena for solo and um, The Rock. At that's what I would think that they're building towards. Um, well, Cena had his whole issue with the bloodline recently, you know, and and did the stuff with solo. So, you know, they did the tag match. What is, and what has he done for Cena? Like, I don't what, know what storylines um, there with Cena. I don't see The Rock coming back to wrestle solo. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Yeah, I. I think Rock's face. I, I think of anybody so, if it was whether or not it's Roman, elimination it chamber solo, or whether or not it's one, it's you know family, WrestleMania, and it makes he's sense to give him the to face Roman. They're not holding that off for another year when they've got him, you know, now and he's teased it. I agree. No. I think Elimination Chamber is the place to do it. Um, because it does uh, give you those right, options right. to do the full-time people um, for uh, or for the main events of WrestleMania, right? But not only does it give you um, a huge huge main event for elimination chamber mm-hmm. but it also gives you a huge main event out of country which then tells you that anything could happen out of country right which helps build mm-hmm. those uh uh ple's out of state or out of country which they're really trying to push that's why they're doing like a one in france that this year one in berlin this year because they're trying to push these like crazy uh all the holiday ones they just announced um that they're doing for the holiday tour all out of country they're they're really pushing the alley country stuff for the PLEs, mm-hmm. and the best way to do that is to sell I, a WrestleMania imagine, caliber match. I mean, this is crazy. You know the the state of the industry D, right now. This uh, would have never happened. You know, out of like, country, like to make it even that much bigger. five years ago. All these out of the country, you know, shows. I think because because you have like the network on Peacock and stuff, and you're able to do these ones where it's like at 11 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning, you know, or 11 o'clock, you know, airing here on a Saturday or, or whatever the case may be, even on a Friday and people can just watch it later. And it's not a big deal if they don't catch it live. Um, you can do it anywhere now. Cause that was always the logistics with like holding like SummerSlam, you know, in England or, or anything like that is that, okay, we have to basically do it on a tape delay. We have to, mm-hmm. and then spoilers get out and everything, you know, cause we have to, we have to air it, you know, or tape it and then air it on prime time, you know, to like two days later or something, uh, because that's just how pay-per-view worked back then. Um, but, but now they can do it at any time, anywhere, and just air it. And people that'll yeah. watch it, they'll watch it later that day if need be, you know, because they can just pull it up. They don't have to pay for it at a certain time or yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, it's kind of the beauty of streaming now. 
right? With all that being said, guys, this was actually a very good pay-per-view for AEW and a very good way to end the year for AEW. Because this, as I said at the beginning, this was the perfect way to blow off so many great storylines and start building new ones for this year. And that's exactly what AEW needed. Uh, they need a fresh start. And I think this uh, pay-per-view was able to give them some of that. So we'll have to see how it goes. But let us know what you guys think. Reach out to us on our social medias. Uh, that'll be Be Hero Media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, slash X. Uh, or you can reach out to us at BeHeroMedia.com. Along with that, you can reach out to us directly. You can hit me up at Mike Burke DCW on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and on Twitter slash X at Mike Burke Pro. And you can reach out to Psycho at Psycho Wrestling on the face of books. That's the only social you still have, yeah? Yes. You silly old man. All right. With all that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I know I did. I'm sure Psycho did. Um, and Please make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on, subscribe, because next week we are going to be doing our state of the wrestling world for this year. So we're going to talk about how the last year ended, all the stuff going on from pretty much all of last year and what we expect to see this coming year and our hopes for what we're going to see this coming year. So. Please stay tuned, subscribe to Be Hero Media. Along with that, you also get the great podcast, Slightly Agitated, along with that, and, any, and everything that we'll be doing here in the future, because I can promise you we will be doing some new great stuff here at Be Hero Media coming down the line. But until then, guys, I have been Mike slash Brian. This has been Psycho, and we have been the bump card. We're tapping out. Have a good night, guys.